Welcome to the Sermons Podcast, a ministry of Vienna Assembly of God, located right here in Vienna, Virginia. We're so glad you've joined us today. Hope you enjoy today's sermon. Well, it's time for our special guest, Blaine Young. He recorded this message. It's coming to you now, and it's a great message. Now, don't check out if you're not a dad, because even though it's Father's Day, he's got a lot in here for each of us. And as a reminder, I will be back at the end and available for prayer. And so at this moment, I want to introduce to you Blaine Young, DC Chi Alpha Director with Ministries at Georgetown University and American University, leading a great team there that have taken um, on the challenge that the pandemic has given us and are doing very effective ministry with students that are spread all over right now. And a very great um, opportunity that we have to hear from Blaine Young. My name is Blaine and I'm dad jokes. Uh, so I went to Google uh, and I typed in best dad jokes ever. I wanted the best for you guys. And in under one second, there was over 135 million results. But don't worry, I'm not going to read every one of them. I've kind of compiled a list of what I think are maybe three good or bad, depending on how you feel about dad jokes. Uh, three really good ones I just had to share with you. So here we go. The first one is this. Did you know that the first french fries weren't actually cooked in France? They were cooked in Greece. I left that awkward pause so that you could laugh and not miss my next one. Here's the second one. I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon. I'll let you know. It might take a few of you a while to get that one, but that's okay. You won't interrupt me whenever you want to laugh and you get it and it clicks. Let's just keep on moving together. And the third one is this. Did you hear the news? FedEx and UPS are actually going to be merging. They're going to be going by the name Fed Up from now on. Hey, in all seriousness, I'm really thankful for the opportunity to speak to you today about fatherhood. And I think our son, Jeremiah, he's five years old. Uh, I think he's actually really thankful that I've been given this opportunity too. He's our only kid. And uh, ever since Pastor Brenda reached out to me to be able to share with you guys this message uh, on Father's Day weekend, I've honestly been trying to be really thoughtful and introspective about how I approach parenting. What are some of the ways I've been operating uh, in strengths? And then maybe what are some areas or growth points or maybe areas where the Lord would want to uh, equip me to parent and to father even better? So in some small way, I think that uh, as a mentor of mine said, uh, sermon preparation is really a chance to engage in self-discipleship with the theme and with scripture. And I know that Jeremiah benefited from that and he is very thankful. There's actually a family tradition that we started a while ago that I thought I'd let you in on. Uh, every time that I mentioned my son in a sermon, I, I promised that I would give him a dollar. You know, it was a way for him to get excited uh, as a young kid about going to partner churches. It took away the sting of um, being away from our home church, being away from his kids' church and his kids' teachers. And a few weeks ago, we were finishing up learning at home amidst the pandemic. He's in pre-K in the D.C. public schools. He goes to uh, Eaton. He's got some great teachers. And we were finishing up. He had three or four Zooms a week. He was on Microsoft Teams as a kid. Um, he was in Class Dojo. Just lots of things. 
as we were trying to navigate schooling at home amidst the pandemic. And uh, one of his teachers, so intentional about making sure that Jeremiah is being taken care of holistically, she asked him, what has made you uh, the most sad or the most disappointed about this current moment that we're in as a country and as a world? And I honestly could not believe how he responded. I couldn't believe his answer. Uh, he said this, and I, I'm not really fabricating this. This is, you know, honest to God story. Uh, he said this, he said, well, in the coronavirus, churches in Chi Alpha aren't having sermons, so I can't earn any money. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I don't even know if I tried to explain our family tradition or tell his teachers that I often get to speak at friends' churches and ministry partners' churches. Uh, I was just so, so embarrassed. And, you know, kids really do say the darndest things. One of the passages that comes to mind for me when I think of parenting and specifically fatherhood and scripture is actually in the New Testament. And it's a very practical admonition that uh, Paul, who wrote this letter um, to a group of believers who are probably meeting in homes just like we are today, and they were located not in the DMV, but in the city of Ephesus. And what the early church was grappling with was this idea that Jesus changes eternity, something that most of us probably know and we're so thankful for. And yet Paul is writing to answer another question that needed to be asked. What does Jesus change in the day-to-day? What does knowing Jesus change in the seemingly mundane? I don't know what your pandemic, coronavirus story and situation has been. I do feel like some days I'm trying to navigate leading a ministry, my wife and I trying to figure out what's best for our family, and it feels like crisis management 101. And then other days it feels incredibly mundane, and repetitive, like I'm stuck in some Groundhog Day experiment that went wrong and I just can't snap out of it. Well, Paul begins to answer this question for those of us who might be thinking or maybe needing to ask for the first time, how does Jesus change my everyday life? And he begins to answer this in the book of Ephesians, and he does so in chapters 5 and 6. And some of the headings that you'll see throughout those chapters could be living by the Spirit's power, instruction for Christian households, or Spirit-guided relationships. And all those are really great summaries of these themes that Paul is getting at. And what I want to do is read for just a few moments in Ephesians 5, and then we'll jump into Ephesians 6. So if you want to pull out your Bible app, that's what I'm going to be using. I use version. I'll be reading out of the NLT. Maybe you have a print Bible. You want to go grab it off of your shelf, refill your coffee. That's totally fine. Here's Ephesians 5, 15 and what it says. It says this, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Pause, man. What a word for us today. Verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and then making music to the Lord in your hearts. I love this. This sounds like it was written for me because the Lord knows that, man, the music I make to him in my heart is way prettier than the music I make to him in my mouth. Verse 20, and God and give God, give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 21, and further, submit to one another out of reverence 
for Christ. And so we see this kind of picture of what the Spirit is doing in the life of those who've surrendered to Jesus. And then 21 provides a framework for what we read in the rest of chapter 5 and into chapter 6. It's this idea of mutual submission. And it's a mutual submission one to another because of a proper heart posture, reverence towards Christ. And then we're going to forward along to where he's specifically talking to fathers. In chapter 6, verse 4, it says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. I was uh, in a mall a few months ago in the Northern Virginia area, and uh, I remember seeing these billboards that really stuck with me, or maybe advertisements in the mall. They were kind of up high on the ceiling and then kind of in those areas where you would check kind of the queue to figure out which store was where. And these advertisements were about um, Father's Day. And I remember there was this portrait of one that I don't know if I'll ever be able to forget. It showed this family, and I think the mom was in the kitchen kind of separate from the family, and the dad with the two kids was playing a game, something like Uno uh, or Skipbo. And it it said this, the the advertisement, the picture uh, was captioned this way. And I just want to make sure I got it right. I wrote it down for us. It said this. It said, fatherhood only takes a few minutes a day. Go be a great dad. And to be honest, I, I was like, wow, if that's, if that's a standard for fatherhood, I felt like I was doing an incredible job. I actually think that when I saw that advertisement, I was probably with my son uh, at the mall. He and I were having some father-son time, and it had lasted way more than a few minutes. And the subtext of this campaign was, as parents, you don't have to be or you don't even have to aim to be perfect. And that, that's something that I do agree with, but what I can't reconcile in that campaign with scripture is this idea that it only takes a few minutes a day to be a good father. I just couldn't get what I knew was written in scripture, what I had seen modeled for me so well in my own life by my father and other fathers in the local church, and then what I was reading on this billboard. Well, I want to be honest today. Maybe Father's Day is difficult for you. Maybe you lost your father recently, or maybe you've never even met your father. Perhaps you had a father, but the way that he treated you, there's some days where you wish you didn't even have one. Maybe you're sitting here and you're listening and you think, man, I would have given anything, Blaine. I would have given anything for just a few minutes a day of positive interaction with my dad. Or perhaps you're already feeling a little bit of awkwardness or conviction in your spirit and you're kind of wishing that you'd maybe turn to your Netflix queue instead of logging on to church this morning. And here's the thing, regardless of where you might be at, the perfect father, God, he's here to meet you. He's here to heal you, to equip you, to save you, and to empower you. In fact, most of us, regardless of our vocation, whether we work in retail, we serve vocationally in ministry, whether we work at a Fortune 500 company, we stay at home or we drive Lyft, regardless of what we do and how we get our paycheck, we never graduate beyond a need for a heavenly father. If you came over to our apartment in Northwest DC, you would find out that I do play a lot of Monopoly Deal, a great card game, and Mario Kart with our son, Jeremiah. But I know that that's just the base. That's just a a small part 
of what God is calling me into. Because this passage in Ephesians reminds me that God is calling me higher. He's calling me into something more. The idea that Paul brings to us from the heart of Father God is this. Bring up your children with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So here's an important takeaway for us today. Maybe it's a big idea you want to jot down or, or type into your phone. It's that faith formation is designed to take place first in the family unit. That faith formation is designed to be cultivated, to be nurtured into individuals first in our family unit. You know, I was talking to one of our college students the other day, and, and they were kind of sharing that they didn't feel or sense that they really had a good uh, testimony. In other words, that they didn't really feel like their coming to Jesus' story and being transformed by him was like a really good story or a really good narrative. And um, as I was thinking about how to respond, uh, they continued to tell me that their story didn't really involve a, a crazy twist or a dark turn or really a villain that they could really name. It wasn't a life of kind of sin and shame in the typical way that we think about it, that then when they met Jesus, they turned from because they found out who Jesus was at an early age. And here's the thing, to be honest, this student did not have a good video testimony. They didn't have a good cardboard confessions testimony. There wasn't really a stark contrast between who they were and who God was calling them to be. And look, those stories of radical transformation are real, they're needed, they're true. We even see that in the man who authored this letter that we're reading in the New Testament, Ephesians. Paul, previously known as Saul, he was a religious extremist, a murderer, who then through an encounter with Jesus, and then years of positioning himself to follow Jesus, becomes a humble servant of Christ. But... Those stories aren't the only stories that are worth telling. In fact, when we look at the story of Scripture and we begin to view God the way Jesus did through the lens of Father, we find that this student of mine who was brought up in the faith, who was introduced to themes from Scripture, who was in a family where Jesus was talked about often, whose parents, although imperfect, loved the local church even when it didn't meet their expectations, it may not make a compelling video clip, but it's actually the desire of what God the Father would want for all of us in our family of origin. Where our parents would begin to model, share, teach, and instruct about not just the good things in life, not just the urgent things in life, but the most important things, our faith. Now, that's not all of my students' stories. That's not all of the stories of everyone that's listening today. Free will, brokenness, and sin interrupts that ideal story for many of us. As I think about interruptions, as I think about brokenness, I can't help but to reflect a little bit on this current moment that we're in. We're in a time in our country, in our communities, and around the world of intense difficulty. We're experiencing civil unrest. We're seeing hurt, suffering, and death in the lives of many because of COVID, in the livelihood of many more because of this global pandemic and health crisis. 
We're seeing injustice and violence in HD 24-7. To be honest, this pandemic has been a setback for many of us, and that's probably a big understatement. But in God's redemptive power, as we lament, as we grieve, as we reckon with the hard feelings of disappointment just around that corner, God is providing us an opportunity to step up, to be the church like the world has never seen, to be the people that God designed us to be, and to follow Jesus closely and lead others to do the same. Now, here's what the enemy would want to tell fathers today. During this message, the enemy would want to whisper into your heart and mind and remind you of all the times you've messed up. You've lost your temper. You've said the wrong thing. You've stayed too late here. You've invested in hobbies over family. The enemy would want to remind you of that so that you would say, well, I can't be what what Paul is asking me to be, what God wants me to be, and so I might, might as well not try. But here's the thing. The cross is a picture of victory. Victory over what was and then a pathway to what could be. The cross is this picture where Jesus, out of love for us, overcomes and defeats sin and death and provides for us to be able to live as if we were in heaven right here on earth. So that the world would get a picture, a glimpse of the love of the Father and of what he's prepared for us so that they would be drawn to him. In the church, I think that we celebrate mothers and motherhood in such a way that actually unintentionally lowers the bar for fathers and fatherhood. I hope it's okay to have that moment of honesty today. It's because the stories that we tell, the celebrations that we yell, they become the reality of our future stories. You know, I, I want to speak, you know, as a father to other fathers here today. I'm not speaking from a higher place, a place of achievement. Believe me, this week has reminded me that I am far from perfect, that I need the Holy Spirit daily and that I often need to confess and repent to my wife and my son about how I'm living and how I might be treating them under stress and in difficult times. But all of us as fathers, we need the support of local church communities because it does take more than five minutes a day to be a dad. Scripture calls us higher to be part of the formation of our children in deep, meaningful ways, spiritually, emotionally, mentally and physically. And it's churches like your church that are equipping parents to live out the gospel at home that are really making the difference in the future leaders of the church tomorrow. So whether you're a father of biological children, of adopted children, or maybe of spiritual children, man, God is calling us and inviting us into a great and full and deep story. Hey, this story that he's asking us to live into is bigger than just coaching a sports team. It's bigger than just providing financially. Those are good things. Those are helpful things. But those aren't the height of all that God 
has asked us. He's inviting us to help form the faith of our children in our home alongside our wives. He's asking us, compelling us to take responsibility in the development of our children. Now I want to speak just for a few moments to single parents. Hey, I have no idea how you do it, but I do have a word for you today. God sees you, God hears you, and he's for you. See, the gospel isn't the nuclear family and the American dream. The gospel is wherever you're at, whatever choices you've made, whatever choices have been made around you and for you, that your story when you meet Jesus is being transformed daily by his goodness and by his grace. As we prepare to respond, even in our homes, wherever we are right now, maybe you're watching on your phone or on your laptop or on your TV with family or the friends you've been quarantining with, I want us to think about what the Lord might be asking of us today. Regardless of what your story is, regardless of whether you're father or not, whether you have kids or not, whether you're married or not, see, the gospel speaks specifically, but it always communicates something that all of us can learn. Either something we can learn about God or something that we can learn about ourselves. And then that's where we begin to build out the application. Maybe you're here and you're not sure how this message applies. But there's been a father figure in your life who's had a positive impact. Maybe the Holy Spirit in this time of processing response would, would nudge you to call them or write them a note and let them know about the impact that they've had on your life. Maybe this is a chance for you to draw deeper into the Lord. Because maybe this whole topic of fatherhood brings about trauma and grief and memories that you'd rather forget than process. God wants to be Emmanuel, God with you in this moment. God doesn't want you to brush over your trauma or difficulties, but he wants to be there with you in it. Maybe for those of us that are fathers, it's not a three-step plan for success that he's asking us to write out and execute. But instead, maybe he's urging us in the daily, in the small moments, to see where the kingdom is at work and to integrate our faith life and our parent life to decompartmentalize family, career, and faith in such a way that we would walk with integrity, an integrated approach to how we love, provide, and care for those in our home. You know, I'm reading a book with several other men in our Chi Alpha community this summer through Zoom, and it's called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Long story medium, let me tell you about it. It's a man whose conversations later became a book. I think after his death, he was alive many, many, many years ago. He went by the name Brother Lawrence, and he worked as a dishwasher. He washed dishes at a monastery, and he had this thought experiment, and the thought experiment was this. Could I be in the presence of the Lord 24-7, outside of my set-apart set prayer time, outside of Mass, or the time when I was gathering with other believers, but in the mundane of life, in the day-to-day, -day, in the everyday stuff, 
Could I position my heart and mind? Could I be attentive and aware to God's presence? Maybe you're in a mundane moment. Maybe that thought experiment is something that the Lord might be asking you to consider. Whether you read the book or not, maybe he's asking you to consider who he is and how he's working beyond Sunday morning, beyond your devotional and abiding times, but all throughout the day. What I love about moments like this is that I'm reminded that faith is deeply intimate, it's personal, but it's not designed to be private. So maybe you need to have a conversation with someone. Maybe it's your spouse or your pastor, your Sunday school teacher or small group leader. And you need to ask for them to pray over you so that you can walk in this higher sense, this higher calling that the Lord is asking you. Maybe there's resources that you need to look into. Today would be an incredible place to start wherever you are on your journey to draw near to God. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote this. That if we draw near to Jesus, he will draw near to us. Before I pray a prayer of blessing over you, there's this idea that theologians talk about called Christus Victor. And it describes what is happening at the cross. That Jesus in his love and strength and power he delivers us from sin and death once for all. So wherever you're going, whoever you're talking to, wherever you're meeting, as C.S. Lewis said, we never are talking to mere mortals, but we're talking to souls made in the image of God. May we remember that in these trying times. I'd love to pray for you. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. And may you respond to scripture in a way that you would look more like Jesus and that you would be able to look at him more with clarity. God, help us, those of us who are fathers, not to exasperate or anger our children, but to raise them up in the discipline and instruction that's of you for your glory and for your honor with your strength. We cannot do it on our own. Amen. Thank you, Blaine, for that message. Such a good word and so encouraging to all of us. And I appreciate it so much. Well, as I said at the beginning, I am now opening the altar. And um, the altar room is available for you to come in. If you haven't registered yet, viennaag.com slash altar. That'll get you a link to get you into the room and we can have additional prayer there if there's anything that this message brought to your mind that, or that if there's just any reason that you want some additional prayer I will meet you there and so that's how we're going to end today thank you so much for being here one more time happy Father's Day God bless